Glad that you're with us tonight, and uh, it's great to be together again. Tonight I want to ask a simple question, and that question is, can Christians be influenced by the world? It is no shock or revelation to you for me to tell you that we live in a wicked world today. You don't have to look very hard or very far to find all kinds of examples of wickedness in the world around us. The question is, does this pose a threat or a problem for Christians? Should we be concerned about the wickedness of the world that we live in? Can the world that we live in rub off on us or influence us as Christians? What do you think? I want to tell you tonight that the Bible says yes, that the world can influence Christians, and the Bible tells us it is a serious threat to our spiritual well-being and our relationship with God. The world can influence us. And tonight I want to look at the danger that the world poses to us in its influence on Christians. Tonight our discussion is not about other people. Our discussion is about us. And as I hope as we go through this lesson tonight that you think about yourself and you think about your exposure to the world. And, and the threat that it poses to you and how you can mitigate that threat and protect yourself from the world influencing you. Because the Bible is very clear that the, wor the world can influence Christians for bad. You know, there are all kinds of evil influences in the world today. One of the most apparent to us all probably is the media and the influences of the media. Years ago, used to be the, uh, the sermon topic of choice. Uh, many years ago. I don't know that it still is the most prominent form of media today, but broadcast television used to be just terrible. Now that maybe has shifted to the internet and the, the videos and the media that you can consume on the internet today. No doubt the movies are uh, a big threat and a big uh, source of evil in the world today. All of the immorality that's portrayed in the movies today. Radio is less prominent than it used to be, but still is. The music that uh, we listen to portrays all kinds of evil images and, uh, and uh, thoughts and ideas that are conveyed with the music that we listen to. And the advertising that we're exposed to today uh, uh, promotes and presents all types of evil to us in the advertising. Sex sells in advertising. But beyond just that, we're in the middle of the holiday season in which we're going to have advertising that may have um, uh, perfectly uh, wholesome images, but the idea that advertisers present is that you've got to have more stuff, that, that things are going to make you happy, that the right present is going to make you happy and, and, and give you fulfillment and joy. You've got to have more and more and more. It's promoting materialism. We could go on and on with the media and the influences that it poses and the danger that it poses, but it certainly is an evil influence in the world that we live in today. I'll tell you, there are other influences in the world that are evil and dangerous. Our companions, those that we associate with, those that we're around on a constant basis can influence us for evil. Our companions influence us. You can see it in your kids as they're around other people. They pick up things from others. They're not necessarily bad things. But they're picking up phrases that they're using and they're repeating. They're picking up fashion 
uh, guidance from their friends. Maybe they come home and say, I want my hair cut this way. Why? Because Johnny's got his hair cut that way. We see it in our kids, but I'll tell you, it happens with adults as well. And not all those influences are bad and evil, but it does happen that our companions can influence, and they can influence us in evil. Our family can influence us for evil. If we're not careful, those in our family can influence us for evil. Other religious people can influence us for evil. Those who aren't serious about their religion, who aren't committed to living like God wants them to live, they perhaps are the most dangerous of our companions that could influence us for evil because maybe our guard is lowered because, oh, so-and-so is a good Christian person. And we're around them and our guard is, is let down a little bit. But other religious people can influence us for evil. The world has been so successful at influencing those who claim to be Christians. George Gardner was in the news several years ago. He was a minister for the College Hill United Methodist Church in Wichita, Kansas. Someone you would think would know their Bible. He was influenced in the world in such a way that he resigned his position as minister of the College Hill United Methodist Church and became a chaplain in the local abortion clinic. And as chaplain in the abortion clinic, he was baptizing the babies as they were being aborted. Does the world influence those who claim to be Christians? I think it's apparent that, he do, that it does, doesn't it? Homosexuality, that was not the way that it was 10, 15 years ago. The world is influencing those who claim to be Christians. And some Christians and those who are even members of the church accept the fact that it is possible for the world to influence Christians. But I think a lot of times we're tempted to minimize the threat and really not understand the danger that it proposes and, and to think that there's really no need for alarm or for caution, that it's not that big a deal, that I'm okay that the world can't influence me, and as a result, Christians are being influenced by the world because they have their guard down. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Christians are being influenced by the world. We need to have our guard up. So what does the Bible tell us about this danger, about the possibility of the world influencing Christians? The Bible is very clear that the world that we live in, those that we're around, can influence us for evil. In the Old Testament, in Proverbs 22, beginning of verse 24, Proverbs chapter 22, beginning of verse 24, it says this, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. Why? lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. The wise man in Proverbs chapter 22 tells us to be careful about those that we're around because we are learning from others how to respond and how to deal with situations. When you're around the guy that loses his temper and flies off the handle, chances are that you'll respond that way if you're around that enough. In the New Testament, it says in James chapter 1, verse 27, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction 
and to keep himself unspotted from the world. I believe that the things are being presented here in Romans 1 verse 27 are just representative things of what our lives as Christians should involve in this pursuit of pure and undefiled religion. But one of the things that are mentioned here by James is that we need to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Keep ourselves clean. We're walking around in a dirty world. Don't let it get on you. Keep yourself unspotted. We're all wearing uh, our nice clothes tonight. When we go home, if we've got a dirty job, the first thing our wife to do, our first thing our wife is going to say is, things on me because, you, because Nikki knows how I work around things, and I usually get things on me because you get underneath the car or you go to do something out and outside, you're going to come back and have some mud on you or some dirt on you. We're living in a wicked, dirty place. And James says that it is our job to make sure that we stay unspotted by the world. Well, why would he warn me about that if it's not possible to be spotted by the world? Why waste the ink to say don't be spotted by the world if you can't be spotted? The danger is there. You can't be defiled by the world that you live in. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be like this world. Don't be conformed to this world. Instead, be transformed. You know, I view this idea of being conformed to the world as being something that is passive, that just happens by default. I think about the jello mold, and you pour that jello in there, and it just uh, conforms to the container that it's in. And Christians, if they are not on guard and if they're not working to prevent it, Christians will conform to the world that they live in. But we have to be active in this and deliberate in making sure that we're going to be transformed. We're going to be different from the world. That's going to require action and effort. It's not going to be easy. Because the world will influence us. The world will pressure us and push us to conform to it. And we've got to make sure that we're transformed. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, beginning, presents sin as a leavening agent or yeast. And how just a little exposure to that will cause all kinds of defilement. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning of verse 6, Your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Paul says just a little bit of sin can be a great influence on us for evil, and we've got to be aware of that. Philippians chapter 2, over and over and over again. We could stay here a long time tonight talking about the danger of the world that we live in and how it can influence us for evil. But look at Philippians chapter 2, beginning of verse 14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke. Where? In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that ye may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. We are to be different from the world. 
that we're supposed to shine forth as lights in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation or generation that we live in. We've got to be different because the world can influence us for bad. Romans chapter 16, verse 19. Romans chapter 16, verse 19, in this information age that we live in, tells us that we've got to be working to be different from the world in that we don't even know the details about all the evil that's around us. Romans chapter 16, verse 19. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am therefore glad on your behalf, but yet I would have you be wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. God doesn't want His children to know about all the evil that's in the world around us. He wants us to be simple about that. He wants us to be wise about what is good. But I don't even need to know about all the sin that's in the world around me and how you commit that sin and what that sin is all about. You can find all about that on the Internet, in the media today. It'll be portrayed for you in the movies, in television, in music about all the evil things that you can do. And God says, you don't need to know about that. Because if you know about it, now can you now pollute your heart and come out in your actions. We've got to be careful. The world can uh, influence us for evil. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, beginning. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse uh, 4, cha- 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning of verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. There were going to be Christians in the first century, and there are Christians in the 21st century who are being influenced by doctrines of demons and devils and seducing spirits. The world around us will influence us for evil. And Paul was aware of that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have uh, preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul knew that the world around him could influence him, and he was on guard because of the danger that the world presents. Christians are being influenced by the world. The Bible says that this can't happen and it is happening. We also need to look at the effect. So what's the the real danger here? If the world influences me as a Christian, what's the effect? What's what's the, the problem? Accepting the fact that Christians can be influenced by the world is vital to preventing it from happening. I want to tell you also, understanding the consequences of what happens when the world influences me is also necessary to prevent the world from influencing me. The Bible teaches us that if we are influenced by the world, that we can lose our soul eternally as a result. 2 Peter chapter 2 talks about this. In 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning of verse 20. 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning of verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. 
Peter talks about people who were in the world and they were in all that filth and contamination and wickedness of the world and they got taken out of that. They submitted to Christ, they obeyed Him, and they were taken out of that terrible situation. And what do they do? They go back to that. And he paints a terribly ugly picture about what that's like. It's like the dog that vomits and turns around to eat it. Like the stinky pig that was covered in the muck and the mire that gets washed up and goes back for more. Christians who have been taken away from the wickedness of the world have to understand the danger of going back to that. And Peter says it's worse for us than, than it was before because we know what it's like to be washed from the mire. We know what it's like and we turn back. We decide, well, I'm going to go back for more. Peter says it's worse for you than it was at the beginning. That's the danger that this poses to Christians. James chapter 5, beginning of verse 19, says it this way. James 5, beginning of verse 19, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. When we go back into the world, when we go back for more evil, James says that we are in danger of death, eternal death of our soul. That's how dangerous this is. Hebrews chapter 6, beginning of verse 4, says this, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if, sh if they shall fall away to renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucify themselves to, the, to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. There is, becomes a point. When we allow the world to influence us as Christians, after we have escaped the pollutions of the world and the world influences us in such a way we can get to a point where we can't be touched by the gospel anymore, where we're just doomed to live in that mire and that muck for the rest of our lives and suffer eternally. Hebrews 10 verse 26 says this, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour, devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much more worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. When we go back to the world, when we allow the world to influence us, it puts us in a terrible, terrible spot. Worse than the person who doesn't know God's will, who's never heard the gospel, who lives this way just because that's the only way they know how to live. Worse than that person, because now we know the gospel. We've seen how blessed our life can be when we submit to God. And we say, nah, that's not for me. I think I like being conformed to the world better. I think it was better when I was doing all those wicked things. 
There's no more power of the gospel, is there? I've turned my back against the gospel. I've calloused myself to the, the truth of the gospel, and I'm in a terrible spot. That's how dangerous this is. The Bible is clear that the world can influence us, and the Bible is clear on the dangers of that influence on us as Christians. And so now the question, how can we be, avoid being influenced by the world? Because again, it will happen to us if we're not careful. If we're not working to prevent being influenced by the world, we will be influenced by the world. So how can we avoid it? We need to make sure that we maintain separation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, in the passage that Joseph read for us, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning of verse 14, the Bible tells us that we need to maintain healthy separation from the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning of verse 14, be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath, um, hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith uh, the Lord Almighty. We need to be separate from the world. God wants us to be different from the world. Come out from among them and be separate. Don't touch that unclean thing. Don't get around it. Make sure you maintain separation. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning verse 11. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Talk about the evil things that are done in the world around us in secret. We've got to make sure that we're maintaining separation. And as we work on maintaining that separation, the Bible is also clear that that separation has to include those who are not living like they should, Christians who are not living like they should, we have to even maintain separation from them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning of verse 9, Paul says this, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I've written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. You see, there's a real danger when the people in the world around us are being evil and wicked. But that danger is heightened and more extreme when it's a Christian who's not living like they should. And Paul says you need to avoid those people because of the influence that they can have on you. To the extent that you don't even eat a social meal with that person. Because of the danger. Do we understand the danger? We should. We've seen how, how dangerous this is and the results of us being influenced by the world. But when Christians aren't living like they should, we've got to make sure that we're maintaining separation. We need to be aware of that. I want to note from this verse, though, that this is not teaching us that we need to isolate ourselves from the world around us. 
Paul says he's not telling us that we can't have any contact with those in the world around us. Because he says if that was the case, we'd have to come out of the world. We'd have to go buy us some land in Wyoming that was miles away from anyone else, and we'd have to put up a fence, and we'd have to just live inside this compound. Paul's saying, that's not what I want you to do. That's not what God's will for you is. You're going to have to be in the world, but you've got to maintain separation. You've got to be different from the world. And that means you even have to maintain separation. And separation. God says, come out from among them and be separate, and don't touch the unclean thing. We've got to maintain separation. I'll tell you what else we need to do. We also have to renew our mind. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we've looked at this already. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If I'm going to be on guard against being transformed by this or conformed to this world, I'm going to have to make sure that I'm renewing my mind. What does that mean? What does renewing my mind mean? It means I'm going to have to get my mind right. I'm going to have to make sure that my thoughts and my attitudes align with God's Word. That I'm not allowing the world to dictate how I think about sin and evil, but I'm allowing God's Word to dictate how I think about it and how I view it. That I'm thinking about things that are in alignment and harmony with God's Word and His will for me, not things that are in harmony with the devil's will for me. I've got to make sure that I'm working on my mind. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 tells me some things that I need to be actively thinking about. But instead I'm thinking on these things. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Brethren, when those evil thoughts come into our minds, we need to put them out. And we put them out by replacing them with things that are in harmony with God's Word. Those things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, that are virtuous, that are praiseworthy. Those are the things that I need to put into my mind. That I am working on getting those things into my mind. But I'm going to tell you, it's very difficult to do that. If I've got on my headphones and I'm listening to that music, that's talking about the immoral activity that everybody wants to do on Friday night. That's talking about the evil that is all around me that's pumping that into my brain and into my thoughts. It's very difficult for me to be thinking like I should. I've got to be working on my mind and renewing my mind. You know, advertisers spend millions of dollars on advertisement. Why do they do that? Because they know that they can present pictures to you and they can present messages to you that will cause you to think favorably about the product that they're selling. They're not doing that just because they got millions of dollars and we got to spend it somewhere. Let's buy an ad. No, we're going to buy an ad and pay millions of dollars for it because I know that if I present you this in a certain way, you'll have a favorable opinion of it and you'll buy it. It's that way in the movies. It's that way on television. You know, Disney was taking a lot of heat not too many months ago because they were trying to get into your kid's head and promote immorality with your kids because they know 
They can present things in certain ways that will influence the way that you think about them. We've got to be on guard against that and make sure that we're renewing our mind, that we're thinking on things that are pure. And number three, as we think about how to prevent the world from influencing us, I want to tell you we've got to change our perspective. We've got to change the way that we look at sin and evil. Psalm 97 verse 10 says, Ye the hatred for evil. I've got to see sin for what it is. I've got to see it for the black, dark plague and curse that it is on my life. And I've got to develop an intense hatred for evil. Just like God hates evil, I've got to have that same perspective. I don't need to be looking at sin and wickedness longingly like, well, I would if I could, but I can't. Or wouldn't it be nice? No, I've got to hate evil. I've got to develop this hatred for evil. I've got to understand that evil causes one to be lost eternally in hell. Romans chapter 6, verse 16 says, Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are, to whom you obey? whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. We've seen it, haven't we, in the lives of others. Those who are living wicked lives, whose lives are in shambles and falling apart and getting worse day by day because people continue to pursue the evil that they live. We saw it in our lives before we became Christians. And we've got to develop a hatred for what sin does to our lives. We've got to see sin like Peter mentioned it there in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, as being vomit and mire that we've been washed from and cleansed from and we want nothing else to do with it. We've got to develop this intense hatred of evil so that we can avoid being influenced by the world. Christians can be influenced by the world. Christians are being influenced by the world every day, sadly. The Bible is clear that it is a possibility. The Bible is clear on the effects. And the Bible is clear on how we can avoid being influenced by the world. And as I started the lesson tonight, this needs to be a personal discussion. It's a danger for you, and it's a danger for me. The devil is trying to influence us for evil? Are we on guard? And are we working every day to make sure that we're not being conformed to this world, but that we're being transformed? I hope the things that we've talked about tonight have been helpful to you as we and the necessity of avoiding that in our lives. If you're here tonight and not living like you should, and we can do anything to help you, we stand ready and we would love the opportunity. Please let us know while we stand and while we sing.